It's been said that nothing is more financially educational and entertaining than the total financial hour, except possibly two total financial hours. <gasps> you don't mean? Yep. The Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby is now two hours, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Oh my gosh! Great Scott! Learn about your financial power. The Total Financial Hour, uh, two hours with host Arif Halaby, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm Eric Halaby. It's nice to talk with you. The Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. The Total Financial Hour. And listen, we have two hours, of course, today, your second hour. Your emails. A very interesting one. One from somebody you might not expect. So you stay tuned at the, bo- at the top of the next hour. Uh, in fact, it's going to be an email from someone you probably don't expect because, well, ages are, you know, our ages for retirement, what you might think, uh, things change just a little bit. So, but I want to touch on a couple of things that are that are in the news again. Uh, two out of the three of these L.A. city councilmen I happen to have known when I was a police recruiter back in L.A. One of my during my LAPD days in 1995-96. Uh, I spent about two years as a Los Angeles police recruiter. During that period of time, uh, I happened to meet some guys because we were different events, right? Fancy L.A. city events. We were part of the go team when it came to public relations you know you'd have lapd recruitment so you had good looking group we had about a dozen officers there female asian female black white male white black you know white female uh, male black male right we had all the little we had a gay person everybody right it's just uh it was the rainbow of colors and it was designed specifically to show the diversity of lapd this is in the 90s 30 years ago that's great uh, I think part of that that was important is the character of the people that, that I worked with there. Most of them were good people. So they would have been there probably anyway had they not checked a, a racial or an ethnic or sexual orientation box. In fact, they were just really good, hardworking folks, most of them. There's a couple. We could talk about it another time. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has, has a story about me, right? It's always about that when you have coworkers. You don't like everybody all the time for everything. Uh, but But that being said, think about this for a minute. We, we were around some pretty prominent L.A. city councilmen at the time. Why is it that two of the three that I knew, three of them that were around since then and recently, have worked their way up into various uh, state, city, county, state, have gone to prison? I, I, I knew two of them, right, casually, but three of them went to jail. 
Mark Ridley Thomas, the most recent, sentenced to to years, what is it, over three years in prison? State prison, it'll probably be out in two years. Corrupt. Corrupt the city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles, and state of California. Richard Alatori, Richard Alacon. Uh, look, I didn't have anything bad to ever say about these guys. They're always nice people. They knew what they were doing. They were very politically savvy. One particularly of the three that I mentioned had a cocaine. I think it was cocaine problem. Could have been crack. He was caught on video. right? Can you say Mary and Barry? Uh, look, Republicans often will get in trouble. Oh, that's not, a, that's not a, an issue. It's a human issue. right? The human condition. But why is it that Democrat politicians seem to get in trouble, legit trouble, not this made-up crap that they do with Donald Trump, Right, the same, oh, trying to interfere with the election. Can you say Stacey Abrams denying the election? Can you say Hillary Clinton, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre? All of these people in their current and previous lives said and did things way worse than President Trump. And yet right now you have a situation where L.A. City Councilman caught red-handed, still with some independent investigators and FBI personnel in the Los Angeles office. Great job, guys. Assistant director of the FBI office. I saw a quote from him this morning. Great job. You, you went after him. District attorney. I happen to know one of the district attorneys that, that goes after some of this corporate crime, some of these folks. Uh, when I say corporate, I mean uh, it's, it's the men and women that are bribing blackmailing, bribing, coercing, uh, fraudulently giving money to politicians. So it's both ways, right? You're a contractor. You want a bid. You want a job. You want to get a no-bid contract to build something, a park, a Metrolink station, whatever it might be. And those men and women in corporate world bribe and blackmail, uh, push, cajole. You fill in the blanks. Our politicians. So why is it that it's a this rampant amount that you see deep in the world uh, of the Democrat Party? I think because there's nobody to check and balance them. They think they can get away with it, right? It's just like a celebrity. If you're 14 years old and you're an actress and everybody says you're the best and everybody bends over backwards for you, then you're 18 and then you're 20, then you're a Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears, maybe nice people, but nobody ever told them no, spoiled brats. Right, Drew Barrymore. I know somebody that works with her personally. Spoiled brat and ignorant as the day is long. Again, maybe a nice person to, to her friends. But when you were, what was it, five years old on E.T., I think it was? Four years old, six, ten. Well, you're, you're, you can't do anything wrong. Well, think of that now as the political world. Those guys can't do anything wrong. Right? that's that's the life they live. And then, of course, they pass these rules and laws. Like Gavin Newsom, your kids can't go to school, but his kids can. You have to close your business, but the county that his winery was in didn't have to close. His laws. You have to wear a mask. You can't go to a restaurant, but he can. Do you see the 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 middle finger they're putting in your face? I don't want to be crude about it. But when are you going to react? See, 
I think on a state level, certainly in the short term, lost cause. Lost cause. I'm telling people, if you have children or grandchildren that you're responsible for, and you're going to stay in the state of California to raise them, you have to, you, you have, to have your head examined. Oh, or if I get paid so much more money, it's twice what I make as a nurse here than I would make in any other state. Got it. So you look at your child and say, I sold you out for an extra 50 grand a year. Look at them. Probably when you did the math of what it costs for gasoline and property tax and car registration, you probably aren't even making that much of a difference. But can you imagine looking at your, your daughter or your son? Look at the school districts in Glendale. It used to be the place to be. And they're so corrupt. They're so arrogant. They actually think that they can have pornographic books in the libraries mandatory by these teachers to teach these kids some of this curriculum. Glendale, that used to be, oh, well, listen, when I was a policeman, we would say, uh, people would say, oh, you could go to LAPD and mess with them because, you know, after Rodney King uh, event, they, they backed off a little bit in there. But don't go to Glendale. Woo, those coppers, they don't mess around. Well, really? Is it a conservative city anymore? I don't think so. And the Armenian population there that have conservative family values, wake up. You are voting for these people, these arrogant people on school boards. I think the city of Los Angeles is a corrupt machine. It has to be broken up. Certainly the school district has to be broken up. Four, five, seven, I don't know how many school districts. It's not my expertise. But there's no way in the world there's any accountability. The bloated amount of money that goes to the city council staff, the school district staff, right? The common denominator amongst all of this is the depth of corruption and the arrogance that they think they can do. So what do you do about it? Well, here's a couple of things to keep a happy Sunday, <laughs> keep a happy Sunday going, right? As we... As we try to put a shine, shine a light on it, number one, number, uh, look, you gotta have, you have to get involved. You have to, right? I, I spend some of my Sunday and, and probably double the time preparation for the show. Why? Because uh, I, I love to interrupt my weekend for you. Because I think it's important. Because I have been blessed to have a wonderful family and a great financial uh, company. And I think you need to learn about some of these because this, this is impacting you every single day and you have to get up and fight. So figure out a way that your talents can be utilized to make a difference. Figure out a way where you can get up every single day and put one foot forward and, and, and have courage, right? R remember your dad used to say, be brave, be brave, have courage, son. My daughter, be brave, young woman. Let's have some courage. Right? We saw the lack of courage in institutions across, across this uh, Southern California landscape. In the pulpit. Churches. All, all denominations. I confronted one particular pastor, ours, and I said, what happened to the courage? 
Well, or if you know the, the rules, we're supposed to abide by the law. Okay, so so tell me when they say march the, the Jewish people this way or intern Japanese people that way. You abide by the law. Oh, no, wait, there's a moral comp- compass, isn't it? So when do you plan on turning that on? Pastors? Church members? I, I'm not an expert in scripture. That's not my level of expertise. But my level of expertise in the financial world and the impact that these crazy laws and politicians that are corrupt, the impact they have on you, it's pretty big. Pretty, I've seen people not be able to retire because of the taxes they pay for corrupt things like the Metrolink. Right? Some of these uh, subsidized Amtrak. I, I love them all. But you understand that, that it has to be subsidized. Because there's so many levels of corruption, people taking money and fees. Department of Water and Power needs to be broken up, has to be divided up. Right? The moment you put solar power on your roof, you, you understand they don't fire somebody in Department of Water and Power. They don't reduce the pay because they no longer have to pay for the generation of electricity. They get electricity from you for free. And you no longer have to pay, or some some or all of it. But they still have pension, they still have secretaries, they still have uh, directors, they still have uh, amazing health benefits, huge wages, take-home cars, gasoline, credit cards for every, you know, uh, staff people. Cell phones are paid for. So you have fewer people paying for the uh, for the fixed costs of the Department of Water and Power. Now that it, when they had those instant generating gas, electricity, instant generating, it reduced the costs because it created a higher amount of supply. So when there was more available, the costs went down. But instead, DWP, Los Angeles Water and Power, decides to do what? They take them offline. They close them down and dismantle at least two of them. So they can keep artificially the supply limited. So what do they do with the costs? They raise them. What do they do with you that was selling back your solar power? Right? When the companies came out and sold you on the solar power on your roof to turn your roof into a power plant that you have to maintain, you have to pay for, and the Department of Water and Power gets all the benefit. Because once they bury you with all those little fees, right? Oh, uh, accessibility, uh, American uh, act of uh, of doing the right thing, the environmental protection fee, uh, the fee for a better California, the fee to make Los Angeles a cleaner environment. They just make up these silly fees, and they put them on your bill, and they take your money. But wait a second, I was sold that if I put a a solar panels on my roof. I'm never going to have to pay for electricity again. That's why I spent twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's when we were going to buy it back at twenty-five cents a kilowatt. I'm just going to make up a number, whatever the deal was that you signed. Today we buy it back at four cents a kilowatt. So sorry, not enough to pay all those other fees. So pay up. Yeah, but that's not what I bought. I mean, do you see this line of corruption? 
I'm bouncing from different entities so that I can grab your attention for you to understand that if you don't take responsibility for your own retirement accounts, your own income, it doesn't matter how much money you make. The state of California level of corruption, the city of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, the depth of corruption, Glendale Unified and on and on, their school, school districts, right? They will take your money. It does, oh, if I make 100000 a year, I can barely survive. Yeah, that's why people make 60000 a year in Texas and live like a king or a queen. 75000 a year in some of Arizona, most of Arizona, and live like a king or a queen. Oh, the weather. The weather's always going to be different. Everywhere. All the time. The only way to win is to abandon this place. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't. I think the fight, short term... It has to collapse. It, it, it has to. I wish it didn't. I thought we could win, but when they phony up these uh, mail-in ballots, and they're going to do it again. That's why COVID's coming around the corner. Ooh, election COVID. That's what they should call it. COVID, the E strand. What variant is that? Oh, that's the E variant. What's the E stand for? Election. So that they can do the mail-in ballots, so that a single family house that has two residents can have five ballots mailed to them. So an apartment building that has 12 units, about 26 residents in 12 units had 160 ballots sent to them. One, six, zero. How do you have 160 ballots sent to a place that has 26 residents? Because they just sent them to everybody. The level of corruption, 2,000 mules. Watch the movie, Dinesh D'Souza. I think you have to dismantle the election, uh, the state system, so that the elections can be fair. I, I think you do. I think it has to collapse. I think we have to have two states. You let the, the liberals run the, the Los Angeles County north up to San Francisco, just the coastal counties. New California has laid it out. I think they would have had a good shot had President Trump been the, the president for the second term. I think they would have had a good shot at it. I think he's a wiser man now as president. I think he trusted people. He thought he was going to be allowed to govern with the normal pot shots that you get as a uh, as the opposite candidate, right? The other party is supposed to throw pot shots at you and, and uh, accusations and uh, the Sunday shows and on and on. But he didn't have a chance to fix the state. And they won't. I think it has to go by the way of the dodo bird. I think it has to collapse just like Rhode Island did. Mammoth Lakes. Stockton, California. San Bernardino. Detroit. The country of Iceland. After the Olympics, they got all that money. They were so corrupt. Such a socialist place. The country of Iceland turns around and had to file bankruptcy or default, as you will. It's the only way to fix the state of California, I think. It's just my, you know, my LA Unified School District uh, K through 12 education and, and college, right? That's it. I, I'm not that smart of a guy. I can only tell you what I see. And I see that they are taking your money. I see that, quote, the smart people make you feel dumb. You just shut up and look pretty. Don't say a word. How dare you racist? 
And I think you have to plan. You have to plan for yourself. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I received a great uh, phone call from a gentleman recently. Left a, a voice message. He said, "Arif, can you be kind enough to speak the the uh, phone number a little slower?" So I will do that. I appreciate constructive criticism. I will do that for you. Eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven eight eight eight. 997-3847. Whenever you see the eight numbers, so 800-866-844, uh, those are all toll-free numbers, just so you know. Sometimes people don't know that. We know 800 numbers are toll-free, but also 844-866, etc. right? So 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. So I bring this to your attention because I think the more you jump into your own political life and understand the connection. It didn't used to be that deep of a connection. I mean, you'd see certain taxes go higher, certain taxes go lower. You would see things kind of go through life, financially speaking, where you would have, you know, extra expenses uh, because there was a shortage of eggs or something. But now it's systemic. The depth of corruption for the Democrat party is systemic. President Biden doesn't even know who's running the show. He doesn't. Somebody uh, I know recently asked him this question. And he has no clue. In fact, he thinks that he's running the show. But his close advisor is probably Ron Klein or Klein. His chief of staff is probably one of the more powerful persons in the White House. Always the chief of staff has been because they act as the gatekeeper who gets to see the president, what he or she, he at the time signs or doesn't sign, who gets to, uh, uh, what events he attends or doesn't attend. But I think the shadow government, the concept of the shadow government run by the, well, the corrupt intelligence agencies, right? We know that run by the corrupt, corrupt, uh, career politicians, even though they are career, many of them, employees, civil servants. How do you fix that? Well, first of all, believe it or not, you dismantle any kind of unions for government employees. They cannot, should not, is completely a conflict of interest, having a government employee be a part of a union. You can't. Because you can't say that I will vote for you and we're going to collect dues to pay you so that you can give us more money so that we can turn around and pay you so that you can give us more money so that we can turn around. And... You see the you see the circle there? When you have government employees that are part of a union, you end up in a situation where there is zero checks and balances. And the growth of the, the three, you know, the number three, number four, number five person in any department on down, they are all career civil servants. So it doesn't matter who the president is. In fact, a recent conversation with somebody fairly high up in, in one of the three-letter agencies, and I, uh, he and I had a conversation to talk. He said, Arif, uh, I've been in meetings where the bosses joke that the president is just a figurehead. In fact, that they laugh and say, we have no concern at all what the president says. It's irrelevant because we run the show. 
Now I said, oh, well, that's just a bunch of bravado. We all say that, you know, stuff like, oh, I'm, you know, the, the, the assistant vice president always says, I make all the decisions. My boss doesn't know anything, right? You see, you hear that in different companies. So I kind of threw that back at him. I said, well, look, the assistant vice presidents are always the ones that know they're not the figurehead. He said, no, 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 Eric, it's, it's deeper than that. We just change names of certain projects when they say, we're no longer going to do that project. Yeah, you're right. We change the names, we shuffle things around, we hide paperwork, and we do it anyway. That's how you get this conversation where Britain just found out that, oh, one of their, quote, three-letter agencies were responsible for hiding the anti-COVID conversations, the, the, the mask mandates, how foolish they were, the treatments that were effective against COVID. And instead allowed this rampant civil disobedience to be squished and any dissent to be pushed back. We saw it in the United States. So when you have that level of corruptness in the fourth, third, fourth, fifth, and, and down from them, the people that run the agencies, I don't know how you fix it. Right, Vivek. I don't like a lot of what he has to say, but I like, I love a lot of what he has to say. Right, I, just like anybody, you can hear the conversations. Oh, I like that. I don't like this. I don't like his idea that you can't pass on your own wealth to your own children. He wants to take more than half of it back in taxes. That's kind of dumb. It's my money. If I want to give it away, I want to flush it down the tubes. Whatever I want to do, I can do. But according to him, no. Okay, so I'm not a fan of Vivek. I think he has some socialist and some left-leaning values. That being said, he said, look, immediately day one, Department of Education, done. It's a redundant institution in the federal government. Each state has, a, has its own Department of Education and should run itself. Department of, of uh, uh, the IRS, bloated agency, bloated. Today, with the electronic tracking of pay, and the reporting, the mandatory reporting of your bank accounts to the IRS. There's more than enough ways to find out if someone's making money that they're not reporting or depositing money they're not reporting or spending money that they're not reporting. It's, it's a lot easier today. You don't need the bloated governmental agencies. So, so he's got some smart ideas. Still, not, still wouldn't vote for him, but it certainly I would vote for him above a Kamala Harris administration. So... Anyway, we'll get more to that when I come back. Stay with me. I'm Arif Hallaby. That's a little clear. Arif Hallaby rhymes with sheriff. Sometimes people ask. Oh, that's how you spell it. A-R-I-F. That's me, Arif Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour. Triple eight ninety nine retire Stay with me on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Thanks for joining me. I'm Arif Halaby, your place for news, talk, and information. 
I love it. Thanks for reaching out, guys. Triple eight ninety nine retire And let me give you my email address as well. Uh, if you ever want to send me an email, we answer those here on the air. Sometimes they're in person, and we do that a lot, uh, especially if they're quick and easy. I can do it in an email. Sometimes it requires a little conversation on the phone because I've got to ask questions and back and forth, back and forth. So sometimes that takes a bit. I appreciate your patience. My name is Arif Hallaby, and the email address is Arif, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S-Wealth.com. That's T as in total, F as in financial, S as in solutions, wealth as in a lot of money. So TFSWealth.com, Arif at TFSWealth.com. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit. I'm getting a lot of conversations about paying for college. Should you pay for your child or your grandchildren's college? Should you give them money for college in your will or your trust if you pass away? Um, I want to give you my opinion on it. Uh, in 27, um, 28 years or so in the financial business with three kids, have successfully completed uh, four years of college. In other words, their, their bachelor's degree, their associate's degree before that, and uh, my daughter with her master's. So I want to tell you how we did it and what I have seen worked. And I've been blessed to be able to have seen, uh, kind of lived through clients over the years so that by the time my kids got up into school, I had a great foundation. I basically could live vicariously through our clients to see what worked, what didn't work, and how it worked best. So here's my thoughts and my opinion on it, especially if you're not, uh, if you're not full of abundance when it comes to retirement accounts. Because a lot of the questions... Do I pay for my child's college or do I retire? How do I do both? And a lot of us are willing to, because you're young and you're, you're healthy, you're probably, many of you or most of you are the healthiest you've ever been and ever will be. So in other words, you probably aren't going to get healthier later down the road. A few of you maybe, right? Certain illnesses. So how do you make hay when the sun shines, as they say? Very simply, this is what you do. You tell your kids, look, uh, you're, you're 10, 12, 18 years old. I'm going to pay for your first two years of college, provided you attend a community college. Dad, all my friends, and I'm going to get laughed at, and they call it the 13th grade. I've heard it all. I say, I understand that. But you're 17 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old. What do you know about what you want to do the rest of your life? Well, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a physical therapist. I want to be a doctor, a school teacher, whatever. That's nice. You also wanted to be an astronaut when you were four, right? Things change. So I would say, look, now that you're more mature, you have a lot more sense of independence. You attend a community college. That's what you do. And, and when you attend a community college, you play around in the different classes. Oh, I want to take art class. Oh, hey, I happen to be pretty good at it. Oh, nope. I wanted to be an engineer, but I couldn't get past the, you know, calculus. Great. So you, you knock that off and you find something else. In other words, that's where you play around with the ideas and the conversations about different career fields, but now on a collegiate level, meaning a lot of the same instructors, by the way, are instructors that would have taught or do teach at four-year universities. And the impression that most people have that it's just a a cakewalk and you can attend when you want, you understand this is big girl, big boy time, right? You're, you're not playing around. You have to do the work in community college because it's a two-year program. So what if it took you three years? It took me three years because I changed my major halfway through. It's 40 years ago, but I did. You could do the same thing. 
So I'm going to pay for the two years. It's $50 a unit, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year. You'll pay more than that for the, for the silly textbooks that uh, is a corrupt system. That on a different day. But it's a very, very corrupt industry, the textbook industry. You know that if you ever attended college or sent your child to college. So what you do is very simple. I'm going to pay for your first two years. Then I will pay for your last two years at any four-year university that you want to attend. If it takes you three years to get out of community college, so be it. I will pay for that. Then I will pay for two years at the college of your choice. But now you're taking upper division classes. Now you can find the university that specializes in what you want to be. Right before somebody attends this university because this is what they wanted to do. And it turns out they changed their mind and they're at the wrong place. So they go from Oregon State down to UNLV, up to USC, and then back over here, and they bounce around. You know that. Instead of paying those high dollars to pretend, let's see, maybe so, I want you to go and attend a community college. Listen, kids, uh, young people, if you want to move away to attend a community college, Central California, Southern you know, San Diego, you can do that if that's the independence you're looking for. But you attend a community college, then, then the four-year university that is specializing in what you want to do. Here's why. So many young people are scammed in this. Oh, I got the president's award. Oh, they reduced my tuition by $10,000. It's still now only 24000 a year at this four-year university for my freshman year. Because universities are competing with other two-year community colleges. That's why they make it so good your first couple of years. They trick you. They give you all these goodies so they lock you into that university because their competition is the, the near, in some cases, free community college system. So now you're attending a community college system and you're competing with the four-year university, so they're going to give you all the free stuff. But once you hit upper division, now they've got you and you can't leave because... You need upper division, and that is not taught at the two-year community college. Now, just a side note, there are some university centers, community colleges, College of the Canyons in Santa Clarita is one of them, that has certain degrees where they've created certain relationships with UCLA, University of Laverne, different universities, but only for certain degrees where you may not ever have to attend you know, West LA traffic, basically. You can get a UCLA degree if it's in a very narrow scope in certain types of community colleges from Simi Valley to Glendale to um, LA Community College, just everywhere. Santa Monica has them. You can get certain four-year university classes, maybe the entire degree on a two-year campus. But that's just a side note. The whole idea is to understand they're going to trick you with all these funny, the Dean's Award, the Sunshine on a Tuesday Award, let's give you money because you exist award, let's give you the underprivileged because you're half Lebanese, half American and a quarter American Indian and, and two-thirds Hispanic, so we're going to give you another award and you're a female that's by gender, that does uh, that, uh, by, by an come on man, you've seen that silliness, all they're doing is baiting you to come to their four-year school. Then, now your third year. Now let's see what kind of free stuff they give you. Now let's see what kind of discounts. Because here's the way the college system works. It's any like any other product. 
If I am buying a car, it doesn't cost $50,000 to build the car, right? It, it, maybe it costs 20000 That's the materials. That's the labor. Oh, and then they have to pay for the fees, the taxes. Okay, that's another five. And then there's a profit the company needs to make, which is, let's say, 20% on that. So that's another 5000 So you see, by the time they're done, a $50,000 car really didn't cost 50000 to make it. Maybe by the time they're all in, it's 40000 All right, so that's good to know. Well, the university college system is the same thing. Let's say the college degree is $30,000 a year. Maybe it costs 10000 That's the professor's salary, the janitor, the landscape, the electric bills. Maybe it's $10,000 a year. So they have $20,000 in profit in a college degree. So when they give you 5000 back, it, it, it's, it's nothing. You can get that just by asking. So the 30,000, so how do they give somebody a free ride because he or she is a great athlete? Well, very simple. They need to come up with $10,000. So they charge that Chinese student full fare at 30,000. China goes, it doesn't matter to me. We have more money than we, we sell you guys plastic junk. You buy it. So we have all your money. So China takes your money. They go back and pay Stanford 30, 40, 60, 100,000, whatever they pay. There's a lot of profit into that. And that's how they pay for the football player who comes from, quote, the poor and underprivileged family. We will give that person a leg up. So they take money from China. They take money from wealthier kids who can afford the, the $30,000 tuition. All they need to do is come up with the 10 because that's the cost. You sitting in a class, let's say, cost $10,000. So the guy or gal sitting next to you costs $10,000. So if you pay 30, that means three people get to go to school for the cost of just you paying. So those two can be on, I'm a free uh, scholarship because I'm a smart math student, uh, because I'm an underprivileged child from this part of town. So they need the higher income. They need the money that used to, remember, it used to come from the Middle East. Remember that? Kuwait, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, they would send their students here and they would pay full fare. Why? Because you were spending money on giving them oil money. So they would send their students back here and then they would go back home with their knowledge of America and their English language skills and they would run their country in a better way. Right? We saw that with Europe many, many, many years ago. Germany especially, as they were building and rebuilding. Japan, we saw that. Remember Japanese students in the 80s and 90s were coming to the United States because we were buying their cars. They were sending that money. They had profit. So it's a cycle. But what China did is really smart. They're very, very smart, guys. Don't ever underestimate them. They said, well, we're going to go to the Stanford the MIT, Caltech, we're going to go to the university systems and we're going to create an institute for Far East Studies, the Institute for American and Asian Relations, and on and on, make up the names. They funnel massive amounts. Of, we're going to buy you a lab. We're going to update the criminal lab. Here are computers. Here's a software program. 
and they have viruses inside, ways to grab information. Every single PhD student, their information is grabbed by Stanford, by MIT, by Caltech, by you name the university, Harvard, Yale, etc. Any place that took Chinese lab money, technology, they send a student there. Some of them, some of those students, by the way, surprise, are part of the intelligence system of China. They're part of the Chinese Communist Party military. And all they do is get a job working in the lab, put a little USB port in. I mean, it's not difficult. It's not a, it's not a Jack Ryan's spy novel. This is normal, everyday expected stuff. We know this is happening. So when your child attends and you think you're getting a deal, understand that in many cases today, right? It's not the Arabs. It's not the Japanese. It's not uh, the Germans. It's the Chinese paying. So listen, I, take their money or don't take their money. That's, that's whatever. That's your up to you. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Honestly, I have no real opinion on, on that. What I do have an opinion on is that they're still making you pay the debt between what it actually cost, in my example, the $10,000 and the 30. But where's the 30 come from? Student loans. Or you're refinancing your house. Or you're selling one of your retirement plans, cashing it in. That's what I have a problem with. Where I have an opinion is not on whether or not you take the Chinese money. I, I, listen, that's up to you. I, I don't think you should. I think you should avoid some of these schools, especially if you have a, a, a really smart student who's going to end up giving all of their PhD, all of their personal data, all of their research back to China because that's exactly what happens. But that's just another subject. My big conversation is with you today right now is are you going to sell your retirement plans? Are you going to retire five or ten years later? So that you pay for that $30,000, $50,000, $100,000 per year times four years. I don't think you should. I think today, with the information being free, literally, it's free. It means somebody else pays for it. That's what it really means. It doesn't mean you pay for it, because that's the free part. But whenever people say, oh, healthcare is free. No, it's not. Somebody else pays for it. But if you can do that, right? If you can get something where you're not ending up paying for information because the internet of things is available to everybody all the time, then what are you sending your child to college for? What are you sending them to university? Well, it better be because you want them to be, you know, associated, friends, have relationships, contacts with the right people in the industry. Well, you can do that in the two-year program, the last two years. That's upper division anyway. That's a concentration of the people that are in the same industry. So now you have it. You get the two years. You can go online and get a community college, but it's two years more to pay if you send them there for the four-year program, right? If you, if you send them there for the four-year program, you're paying double retail price for a wholesale product. So just think twice about that. What would you do? Well, look, uh, I'm not a fan of student loans, but you can't get a loan for retirement. So if you have a child that can go to a two-year college and still needs to borrow money 
from the, for the four-year university for the last two years, then you just say, look, I will pay for a certain amount, whatever you think you can. I don't want you tapping into your retirement, not at all. Where I have a problem is people say, well, I told Susie when she was six years old, if she got into Harvard, I would pay for it. Well, that's great, but you didn't live up to your end of the bargain. Susie is, is 18 years old and you did not save. So you should look in the mirror and apologize to her because that's what you, you made the mistake. It doesn't mean you're still going to try to find a way. It is too late. You're going to rob from your retirement. You're going to steal from your home's equity. You're going to go into debt when you had 20 plus years to save for this. Look, we all make mistakes. You just go, well, that was a dumb idea. I messed that up and go on and figure it out. But you don't go into this conversation saying, I'm going to dig out all of my, my future retirement so that my, me or my spouse don't, you know, at, at the oldest age, that's the, where we have the most physical ailments, we're still going to work so that our child can get a degree in something in which 70% don't even work in the field in which they earn that degree, right? That's the statistic I'm trying to avoid. Instead of kids one and two years and then going, I really hate this, but I'm already stuck. I got to stay with this particular field of study because I've already been here two years and I'm at this college and that's what it's known for, this university, so I have to stay. And then they end up working in a marketing field and they got a degree in English where they should have gone to another university and got a degree in marketing. Well, they figured that out at the end of their first year, but tough luck, they were at the wrong university for that. That's why I want them to study and practice and make mistakes and oops and oh, wow. Then the second four year or the second two years of the four year college, they're going to have to borrow money. They're going to have to work part time. They're going to have to work in the summer. They're going to have to work at, at certain uh, employers where they will pay for some of the college tuition, right? I think it's Home Depot and Starbucks, different universe, uh, maybe even Walmart will give you dollars towards your tuition, help paying some of that off. I think all of that is great when you're thinking about the experiences of ending college with very little or no debt. So what we did with our kids is simple. We said, listen, we'll give you, we'll pay for your four-year college where two years is at a four-year uh, college. And the second two years, you can go to a, a university that matters for character. Right, the Master's University is where we sent our kids. The Master's College, Master's University, Santa Clarita. Why? Because information is free. It's everywhere. They could learn anything. They're not going there to learn something special. They're going there to associate with people, to develop themselves as an independent adult with great character by associating, guess what, with other independent adults with great character. Right? I was a police officer around Cal State Northridge. I was a police officer around UCLA. For years in both places. I didn't even have children. I don't think either of those times I, did I have kids yet. And in both cases, I was like, well, I am never going to send my kids to either of those colleges. Why? Well, look, it wasn't because the colleges were bad, but I got a chance to see what people did for fun. And I thought, wow, somebody borrowed money. A dad or a mom is working overtime so you can stand on the roof of the frat house and throw down burning tennis balls on people as they drive by. Stand on the roof uh, of, a, of, a, of a sorority house 
on a couch at two in the morning, screaming and yelling, and I have to go break up the fight. Somebody somewhere sacrificed in Iowa, Florida, Washington State, so that their child could come to UCLA or come to Cal State North. It's not just those universities. There's always good things happening at those. But what I saw was zero guardrails on young people on their character. Some came out of there. I attended UCLA. Listen, some came out of there great people. But there was no guardrails from the university because they don't want to hurt your feelings. No, I don't want to judge you. Don't be a judgy smurf. I don't want to judge you. No, no. Uh, no, what you're doing is bad. So sorry. You, we have a character guideline. So find a university. I, I know two or three of them that have character guidelines. Listen, you have to sign something each and every year. Here's how you're going to abide while you're still developing as a person. You're going to abide by these rules. So that's what I would do. If you're going to take some of your money, if you're going to ask your child to go into student loan debt, that's how I would do it. So the colleges and university system, many of you, it's kind of too late. Some of you go, great, Eric, great advice, but 10 years too late. I get it. You're stuck paying some of these parent student loans and the parent plus loans, they call them, and and Stafford and, and Sally Mae, and there's all sorts of different ones out there. What you do is build a stacking. It's called a debt stacking plan. You attack the one that is the lowest balance. I don't want you to worry about interest rates. It's, an, it's a nice conversation, but that that train left the building a long time ago. This is not about interest rates. You should have done that way back when. Today, it's about let's get the heck out of debt as fast as possible. So to get out of debt quickly, we pay the lowest balance first. Pay the minimum payment on all other debts, And you attack the lowest balance. Then the next balance that comes along, what do you do? Simple. You take what you were paying on that other one that's now gone and you add it to the minimum payment of the next lowest balance. And you keep on going all the way up the system. It's called debt stacking. We've been talking about it for 28 years, 27 years. Been a long time because credit card debt now is reaching record default rates. That's why we know something bad is coming down the road. We think the the last quarter of the year, the next September, October, November, December, these last three, four months, I think there's going to be a problem. I I think this last quarter of the year, you're going to see massive layoffs, strikes, work stoppages. I think you're going to see layoffs that will uh, rock the world because that's one of the last things that have to happen in a financial cycle. So until we see that, we know that it hasn't happened yet. We're seeing it some places, Amazon, Walmart, Apple, Google, Twitter, right? We see them all kind of doing their layoffs as they go through Facebook, right? Meta, they're doing their layoffs. That's happening. But so are the smaller companies. Not all of them. Still tons of jobs out there. You can go from one to another. Doesn't matter if you are still in your working years, 40s and 50s and 60s, and you're still going to work. You can find work. A little more difficult, but not impossible. Not even close to impossible. But expect this whole shift. It's starting to happen. And this whole shift in the economy is going to mean there's opportunities. Right? I don't want you to sit there and just kind of float and bob in the ocean because so many people do. 
I think you look for opportunities. That means you have a little motor, a little rudder. And yeah, you're going to have to swim upstream. You're going to have to push it up a, uphill a little bit. I get it. But there are lots of opportunities. So one of the places I want you to look at is some or part of your retirement money to be in a safer place, away from the risks of the market, away from the ESG and the DEI as best you can. It's everywhere, but we can get out of some of it, even a lot of it. We get away from the vanguards and the fidelities and the black rocks. By the way, they're, they're the ones leading the charge against your your beliefs, just, just so you know. Happens to be the guys and gals that don't like you where you're giving them your money. So we can get away from some of that and help reduce that impact. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Arif Hallaby, stay with me after the break. Your emails have some very interesting ones coming up where we can get over a different age bracket. See if you pay attention when we come back. Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. This is AM870, The Answer, your place for news, talk, and information. We'll be right back after the break. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now hire in strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. It's all about, I think, two main things, which is making sure you're prepared and planning because a lot of people forget that the financial world uh, really is is navigable this year, uh, th- this time in life. Most people forget that information is everywhere. It's free, right? Remember that? It, it's free. In other words, somebody else is paying for it. And since you're already a part of that, you might as well be a part of it in a system that gives you uh, years and years of of what most would say is a college education, but not having to pay for it. All right. So here's what I mean. You can go out and grab all sorts of data on what it takes to financially build your life. It's, it doesn't cost anything anymore, meaning you can find out what does it take to retire at, at how much in income? What happens if I do this with Social Security? Should I take Social Security earlier or later? Right. All of those kind of questions probably out there, at least in a general format. But where most people forget information lies is specific to you. That's nice. It works with that person, but here's three other scenarios that that person's life might be different. For example, um, I had a client who came in and said, uh, I have this whole situation and this is what my financial advisor told me to do. I said, okay, great. Let's take a look at it. And in doing so, in the end, we came up with a story that said, well, this is great, provided you were going to also be like the person that he recommended, which was you were going to inherit an apartment building. 
So what are you talking about? I said, well, that's a great idea, but you're not going to inherit a paid off apartment building. Are you? Uh, no. I said, well, then that's why there's a difference. Because your initial conversation with this person said, take social security right away because later on in life, you're going to have this income called rents. So let's go over this with you. One of the big conversations I have with people is what if they're going to start working uh, or keep working? When do they start social security? Uh, do they both start it? What if one person has a government pension and the other person does not? Should they start Social Security earlier? So I'm going to read you this email. Uh, this is a, a younger person who sent this in. But I want you to see how we can kind of craft a strategy around an income stream for them where we're getting the best of both worlds, right? Starting income early, not income uh, and waiting for a pension or waiting for Social Security. So here it is. Dear Arif, I've been working my whole life and I've worked at three different companies since I've been a professional. Each one has had its own 401k plan. I have left the last two alone, he's talking about the 401k plans, for the last 12 years since I've been at my current company and have been participating in the retirement plan of this company since the beginning. I still plan on working at this job and participating in the 401k until I retire anywhere between 12 to 14 years from now. I am currently 52 years old. Okay, so let's pause there. 52 years old, that plus, plus 12 years, that means he will be 64. All right, so follow me on that because he's already eligible for Social Security at 62, right? Unless they change it. And I recommend they do change it in order to save it, but let's say they don't do it. All right, let's continue here. I'm currently 52 years old and my wife is 50. My question is this, is it possible to consolidate the last two retirement plans into one? I think it should be easy for us, easier for us to manage and I think the market has served me well so far. I have heard you say that dollar cost averaging is a way to mitigate risk. All right, what is dollar cost averaging? Well, dollar cost averaging, uh, and I'm pausing for a minute guys from, from the email, dollar cost averaging is the ability to reduce the the market timing. It's kind of the opposite of market timing, right? Market timing is like jump rope. You're waiting, 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 the rhythm, rhythm, and go, right? Remember that as a kid, you would wait, you would try to time it just right. Is the market at all-time lows or all-time highs or short-term highs, short-term lows? Should we sell? Should we buy? That has consistently shown to be not a great strategy. Now, there are people that play the lotto and win, but it doesn't mean it's a strategy for financial success. So don't think that everybody all the time ever, never, right? Don't, it's not that way. But dollar cost averaging for most people is the best way to go. Consistently adding the same amount, every paycheck, whether the market's high, whether it's low, recession, uh, expansion, depression, it doesn't matter. Adding, 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 adding. That's what a dollar cost averaging strategy is about. Consistently just putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. Okay. What that does is sometimes you're going to buy when the stock or the mutual fund price is high. So you're going to buy less shares. Sometimes you're going to buy when the price is low. So you're going to buy more shares because in your working years, and especially in this gentleman's uh, case where he's 52 years old, 
in his working years, his job is to accumulate as many shares as possible. That's very important because we're buying, 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 scooping them up. The price changes. The dollar figure does not. I mean, maybe it'll increase over time. That's what we hope. He's adding more and more to it. But the shares, he's, oh, this, this month he bought 10 shares. Oh, he bought eight. Oh, 12, 14. Oh, wait, it's really bad. 20 shares. Oh, it's really good. He bought six shares. His job is just to keep adding the same amount. All right, I want to continue with his email. Uh, dollar cost averaging is a way to mitigate risk. Yes. I want to. I want my current retirement plan to be used for that purpose. Smart move. Good God. Good job. All right. Since I am no longer adding to those past programs and I have made pretty good returns so far, I would really like to protect all the gains that I have earned and all that I have saved. Also, my current company is adding to my retirement plan. Does that count for dollar cost averaging too? My current balance is between the two accounts, the old uh, two accounts, is about $460,000. Is it possible to have it bring in at least $3,500 a month in 15 years? My wife will have a pension of about 70% of her salary at that time. And I will have both, I will have uh, both, oh, so, and we will both have social security. I expect mine to be around $4,800 to $5,000 a month at age 70. And my wife should be right around $1,200 a month when she is 65. All right. Got that, guys? So let's let's recap this, uh, this uh, scenario and let's see how we can solve the problem. First of all, his question is he has about $460,000. He wants it to be about $3,500 a month in the income five years from now. That's about $42,000 a year. Can he do that? The short answer is yes, we can. Absolutely. Without any risk and I can get, I don't know, maybe 80, 90% certainty that that can happen. Maybe even a lot closer to a hundred percent. If he has a little bit of time to add money to this account, but even if we never do, I'm pretty confident that $460,000 today in 15 years would give him right in the neighborhood of $3,500 a month. Partly because right now we have an account that uh, was just increased to we can't give you the exact numbers. There's rules on that. But let's just say it's above 20% and below 50%. That means it's a bonus, right? You put in money, they put in money. Because remember, there are companies out there using fixed or fixed indexed annuities where they will give you bonuses and give you increased payouts, meaning huge, huge money. I'll tell you why in a minute after the, I finish on this email, but you have to understand there are a lot of financial companies that want your money. So they're, they're giving you inducements. They're giving you, you know, prepaid interest, upfront guarantees, if you will. All right. So dollar cost averaging, we explained that. Well, just like the company is adding every two weeks or every month, sometimes once a year, they'll do a profit sharing plan. But he has 15 or so, 12 or 14 uh, rather, uh, time periods where even if the company is going to do a profit sharing plan where they're going to add once a year, that's 12 times that they're going to add to it. Number one, number two is as they're adding money and there's a matching program with his current plan, that matching is also adding when the market's high, when the market's low. So he's accumulating quite a few shares. And because we can guarantee for most people, whatever portion they're going to put with us, in this part of the safe world, we're just not going to lose. 
We may not earn high rates of return, but all that he's made, he's going to protect. Companies will often give him a bonus, a matching, and everything that he makes going forward never goes backwards. A lot of accounts don't have any fees. I don't think you have to have a fixed indexed annuity that has a fee. You just don't. There's some really good programs out there that don't have costs or fees. They just don't. It means sometimes the agent might make less. It means sometimes uh, your guarantees are going to be uh, a little bit lower. But the guarantee of you paying a fee, why, why would you do that when you don't have to? Right? So so I don't think you have to. I, I think, you look, you always ask your broker, if I'm paying a fee, what do I get for it? A financial man and woman? Right? For a lot of you, you work with the vice president of... Morgan Schwab, James Jones guy, right? Uh, yeah, I work with the vice president. Okay, here's the surprise. Everybody's a vice president. I feel like Joe Biden. Everybody's a vice president, right? <laughs> when you go, when you work with these companies, you're either the brand new person that's getting the coffee, the secretary, the owner, or the vice president. Everybody's a vice president. Financial wealth manager, vice president. Man manager? What? You're a manager? Everybody's a manager or vice president. There's nobody that says, hey, I'm the new guy. Can I take a chance and a risk? And I'm broke and I have student loans, so I want to manage your money. Right? I never want you working with somebody who has to work. I just think that's a problem. Let somebody practice on somebody else's money. If you're so smart with money, then your mom and dad better be rich first. Because if not, you're a son of a gun and you better manage their money well. And then you better be pretty darn successful or certainly on your way to it. Okay, now you can manage my money. But why would I let you practice on mine? Well, if we've got an algorithmic system where we put money in systematically with uh, brokers and managers. Wow, wow, wow. I'm paying a fee. What do I get for it? Did you lose my money? Okay, why did I pay? What did I buy? Always ask yourself, I bought something. What did I buy? I don't know what it is. Did, did I buy statements? Do I get mailed statements? Did I buy a website so I got my stuff? I can see my accounts going up and down. Did I buy your boat, your car, your, your vacation home? What am I buying? Because you're taking a fee from my money. So we would avoid that. I think that's a, that's a key component. Because in his particular case, if he had that $460,000, uh, i would have to look and see the statements. But you're probably paying right around $500 a month for that, maybe more. So why would you pay $500 a month? to have somebody else manage your money. Maybe, maybe it's worth it. Listen, if you can make me a thousand, uh, let's just say you make me 2000 a month. I think that's fair. You make me 2000, I'll give you 500. Let's do that again next month. I don't mind that. I, I bought something, I paid for it, I got it. I'm happy. But don't lose my money and then take my $500 a month. That's my problem. All right, what do I say when it comes to social security? Here's what matters. I'm guessing because She's going to have a pension of 70% that she has a job with a governmental agency. Could be a school district, city, county, state, even the federal government. If you have a job where you are not putting in to Social Security from that money and you receive a government pension, then there is an offset against Social Security. It doesn't seem right or fair because the only way to qualify for Social Security is means that you put money into Social Security. It, so there's no, it doesn't make sense. It's not a, It's not right. I put it in, I should get it back. But that's not what they do. They say, oh, you put it in. You might've put it in for 15 years, so you qualify. But the last 25 years, you didn't put it in, so you don't get any of that money back. 
But, but what happened to my 15 years of putting money in? Oh, well, that's gone. Tough luck. But you have this government pension. Great. Thank you. But can I have my other money back, please, then? But they don't do that. It, it doesn't seem right. So really, here's my, my big issue. Uh, if he thinks his wife is going to receive $1,200 a month in Social Security, most likely her Social Security is going to come from her either working part-time at the same time, right? So let's say you have a job as a school teacher or, or, or as an educator, but then during the summer, you're working someplace where they're taking Social Security out. That's great. Because then when the time comes for you to retire and say, and now I want my money, they count the most recent contributions to Social Security differently than they count the ones that you did prior to being an educator full time. Because a lot of educators will work during the summer. In fact, I think every educator should work during the summer because, well, it's, it's just there's so many other good reasons to do it. But you should do something. Right, and, and in doing so, you're building up your savings. You're being able to add more to your school retirement pension uh, called a 403B. Right, You're able to do a lot more because you're working and productive and it's better for your mental health. I mean, all sorts of things say that. You can take a week off or two. You get a lot of time off anyway as an educator. But the two months in the summer or so, I think if you're adding, if you want to increase Social Security, especially if you're an educator, ready for this, if you're an educator that's single, never been married or don't have children, I think you need to work during the summer because you need a second pension, a second source of income in case something happens to your school district pension where they're going to have to cut it back or they're not going to give you pay raises. They don't give you cost of living increases because they're not managed properly. Frankly, they aren't. So I need you to have a second backup source, maybe a third source of income, right? And social security can be that for you at least in some part, maybe it's 800 a month, maybe it's 600, whatever it is, it's adding to your income. Maybe it's a car payment, right? Think about that. If you work during the summer, you're going to have a car payment for the rest of your life free. I mean, no car payment rather, but a new car free for the, okay. Now you're talking something, right? It's not just dollars. I get something for it. So my point is work and put into social security if you can. All right. Here's the other part of it. Let's say you're working for a governmental agency and you're eligible for social security now right? And you're between ages 62 and 66. You might want to consider taking social security while you're working. I know they're going to debit some of the money back, but they're not going to take all of it. And when they do take it from you, oh, you're going to give it right back because I can't make more than 20,000 a year. Yes, that's correct. But once you turn 66 or 67, depending on your, your birth date, once you get your full retirement age, all that money from prior they start adding it back into your social security check. So even if you're still working, you get an increase in your social security payment. So instead of a thousand dollars a month and they take 800 of it, for example, once you hit your full retirement age, it's not a thousand anymore. Maybe it's 12 or 1500 or 1800 plus the cost of living increases because they take that money. They don't just take it back. They put it into a bank. And they give it back to you in pieces and parts past your, your full retirement age. And if you're working, then you're not collecting a pension, which means you can collect all of your social security. All right, let me be back up and be clearer on this. Maybe explain it a different way. If you're working for a governmental agency, you can collect social security. If you're eligible, of course, from a previous job or part-time work or whatever it is without any offset. 
It's when you stop working and you start your pension when they start taking some of the social security back. So it's a way for you to, oh, I'm going to pay off my debt or I'm going to pay off my, my kids' student loans or because at this age, right, you might have kids that are, that are in student loan debt. So let's use some of the summer work. Let's use some of the part-time jobs. Let's use social security. Let's turn that lever on. Have it come in the front door and pay your child's college funds, uh, college uh, loans, right? We can use these different pieces and parts of income for a different job, for a purpose. All right, next. Sometimes, I know there were uh, congressmen and women working on this, and I hear it, it's only coming from the conservative side, surprisingly so. Maybe some of the Democrats I don't know about in some uh, you know, faraway states or something. I, I, I'm not clear on it, but I can tell you that I know Republicans have been working on this for quite some time. When you are a widow or a widower and your spouse was receiving Social Security, you're supposed to receive the higher of the two, but not if you have a government pension. They take it away. But but why why can't I get both? The lady down the street, she could, but why can't I? Oh, because you had a government job. Yeah, yeah, but my spouse still put into Social Security. It's still my spouse's money. Why, why can't I get it? Well, that's what the current Democrat proposals that are in system, the laws, that's what they say. All right, so I don't like it. I think it's kind of yucky. But there's a strategy, there's a workaround in some pieces and parts to get some of it back. And what we do is we work with whatever financial professionals are in your life. So your CPA, we might work with your tax preparer, we'd work with your your tax attorney. I mean, it just depends on your situation. Maybe we work with your trust attorney. I'm a certified estate planner. So about half of my office is licensed. We work through this. We were trained at a bit of a higher level in the sense that they're not just secretaries or answering the phone. Some of them are actually licensed people. So we can have conversations at a higher level, an educated level. There's terms, there's understanding where maybe we can come up with a solution, right? I want you to think that I don't want you just to look at it and go, well, I guess this is the way. No, maybe we can adjust things. All right. So in this particular case, he expects around 4800 to 5000 a month at age 70. I like that. His wife will be uh, about 70% of her salary. Didn't say what that is. But between the 3500 a month and the 5000 a month at age 70, I could easily replace the kind of income that he needs. I think we can do that. As long as he waits till age 70 to start Social Security. What that would mean is we're going to use his current 401k. All right, stay with me. He has three 401ks, two from a past job and one from his current. All we're going to do is take that old one that he has, those old two, two of those ones, we're going to put those into one account. We'll get a bonus. We'll get some interest. We'll have it growing forward, earning money when the market goes up. We'll earn some interest. But the current plan that he's putting money into, stay in the market. If you want to stay in the market, you stay in the market. You're going to get profit sharing. You'll get contributions from the employer. Great. Your contribution contributions, wonderful. And you're buying, 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 buying when the shares are up, buying when the shares are down, blah, blah, blah. So from the time he retires at, let's say, 64, 65 years of age and age 70, that's five years of income. How are we going to live on that? We're going to use the current retirement plan. His current 401k plan, when he retires, We'll start dripping that into his income. Five, six, seven thousand, eight, whatever it is in a month. 
Do we start Social Security yet? Probably not. We'll see at that time, but probably not. Oop, keep dripping it in. His 401k is paying. Meanwhile, the two other accounts that he had from before, those are percolating. Those are growing. Those are never going backwards. So now the time comes and he's 70 years old and we flip a switch and say, and now start paying me income. How long? Forever. And for the rest of his wife's life as well. And then whatever's left goes to the kids or beneficiaries or charities or whomever they choose. Right? That's the idea. Multiple sources of income in retirement. Fill the gap while we're waiting to start Social Security, if that's the right move at the time. Right now it is, but maybe, maybe in the future things will be different. And I never want you to count on just one source of income. A lot of people that have pensions, government pensions, right? You heard me tell a story about a gentleman who worked for Caltrans. Oh, Eric, I, I, I haven't been saving any money for retirement. I'm counting on my government pension from Caltrans. Well, as long as it holds up, right? I think the state of California is going to have to file bankruptcy of some sort, insolvency, whatever they're going to call it. Something has to change and maybe his pension will change. And if that's the only source of income that you're counting on, then you better hope that both of you and your wife pass away before California does its reorganization, whatever they're going to call it. Because there isn't money. It's not a secret. It's not a plan. It's not a, it's just a math problem. They just don't have all the funds. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they're going to think of something, but I think they have to restructure the whole plan. And Gavin Newsom doesn't want it happening on his watch because he wants to be president one day. So he's going to delay it, delay it, borrow more money, borrow more money at a higher interest rate, get the state into much, much higher debt. So when the reorganization or the bankruptcy comes, it's going to really hurt. Not a little hurt. It'll really hurt. Instead of ripping off the mandate now and saying, all right, guys, here's the deal. We're going to have to make some big changes in our retirement plan and our benefits and our pay structure and our benefits to the unions, etc. So if you have a state pension, just think twice about counting on it as your only source of income. It's just not prudent right? It's not safe. It's not the best way to go. For a lot of you, you're going to leave the state of California, which is great. Take it. You're not going to pay the 10% plus in income tax. Some states have a 4% or 5% income tax. Some states don't tax social security. California doesn't tax social security as a state. So that's great. If that's your only source of income, then the state of California, but, but what about all the other things? Car registration, Gasoline tax, sales tax, property tax, right? You can call it Mickey Mouse and address. It doesn't matter to me what you call it. They're taking from you and pulling it into their pocket. So when you're looking at where, if, how you might want to move to another place, I think one of the things you have to do is look and see what's the total cost, total cost to live there. Because in some places like Florida, Home, uh, homeowner's insurance is off the charts, right? They have hurricanes. That's normal, by the way. Surprise, it's hurricane season. They have a season named after it. Oh, there's another hurricane. No kidding. Really? How about that? So, of course, there's a hurricane. Well, the insurers are tired of getting stuck with the bill. Certainly, they're going to reduce something. I don't, I don't know what they're going to But try to pay your homeowner's insurance. I had a friend down there who was paying $1,400 a year. That's a lot of money. And it went to $6,000 a year. Homeowner's insurance, one year to the next. He's like, uh, what are you talking about? 
Texas, well, they make a lot of revenue from property tax. There's ways around these things, right? In property tax land, you might say, well, I'm going to buy enough acreage to be declared an agricultural place because in Texas, the, the, the more land you have, 10 acres plus, you can actually have a lower tax rate. So in other words, there is no perfect place to move to. You'll pay something. So look at the total cost, if that is your plan, is to move outside of the state. I think if you have young children, you're crazy for staying here and educating them here, unless you're homeschooling them. That's the only reason to be here. And even then, I'd be I'd be uh, suspicious of the state. All right, stay with me after the break. I have uh, somebody uh, that sent me a, a kind of a heartfelt email here when we come back. Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Your place for news, talk, and information. AM870, The Answer. 888-997-3847. I'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Hi there, this is Eric Halaby. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks for staying with me. Total Financial Hour, your emails, your place for news, talk, and information. Uh, listen, I'm concerned about a lot of things in the economy. Uh, I'm glad you're back quick. We try to take a quick break because this next email is pretty emotional, kind of important. Uh, and for most of you that are listeners, you, you know uh, that my dad just passed away uh, just in the last couple of months. Uh, still really bad uh, as far as... Uh, you know, thinking about it, right? Uh, everybody says you just never get over it. I'm very glad that they say that because that word closure, I think, is a bunch of baloney. It's a uh, like progressive hogwash, really, because there's no such thing, right? I guess you just learn how to deal with it, but it's been tough. I'm, I'm, I consider you guys, you know, part of my family, so I'll share with you. It's been really tough for me trying to learn how to to. Oh wait, let me call my dad. Oh, you can't. Oh, I got a quick question. Oh, I can't. Right? Even though some of you are parents. And you have your kids and you might think they don't reach out to you very much uh, or certainly not as much as you would like. Uh, there's a huge missing part, right? I would call my dad randomly throughout the week, middle of the day, sometimes at night. Some of you call your parents every Sunday afternoon. Well, that's not how it was. We would see each other once or twice, three times a week sometimes. Uh, but I would talk to him uh, just randomly as, as I thought of something. And so that's kind of the hard part. So I, I share with you that because uh, this is an email from a lady who has been a widow uh, for three years now, and that's important because <laughs> even three years uh, seems like yesterday for most people. And uh, for many of you, it's a rude awakening, and some didn't plan properly, and some did. So I want to make sure that you're aware of that. Uh, this is important because many of you have thought about What's going to happen when my spouse, my husband passes away? A lot of it, especially wives. Um, I, I don't know why men seem to be financially speaking. I'm not talking about emotionally, but financially speaking, seem to feel more comfortable if they were on their own. For a lot of ladies, a lot of women, it's a tougher experience. Just been my experience is that women seem to think about it more. They're more concerned. They're scared a lot more than men are. All right. So. This is from Marie, and Marie has a, uh, 
a common everyday kind of question that you might think about in today's world. At least it's more common now. All right. Dear Arif, this is from Marie. Dear Arif, I've always thought that I would stay in my home until me and uh, my husband pass away. Well, he died about three years ago, and I feel like I'm just now getting on with my life. Our home is a single-story home, and my only son and his family live about a mile away. He just took a position with another company, and they are giving him a huge pay raise and stock options, and he can't pass up this amazing offer. This leads me to my big concern. I'm going to move wherever they happen to go, and it happens to be outside of Dallas, Texas. I have found a house close by the, to their new home, but I would like to know your thoughts on keeping my current home and renting it out or selling it and using the money to create income from other sources. I would net about $3,000 per month after taxes and insurance and property management fees in rent. If I sell, I'll be receiving about $900,000 after fees and taxes. I have a retirement plan for my husband that has about $600,000 in it. I'm scared of it going down, so I have it in a money market account at his 401k plan. My, ex my savings account is about 120000 He has another financial account that has about $100,000. That seems to just go up and down and never really change. All right, so, and this is Marie. Here's my question. Here's her question, right? Should she keep the house, rent it out, and have another source of income? Or should she sell it, take the $900,000 and run? Uh, so here's my concern. If your son is up and coming and doing well, Marie, then it might not be the last time he gets a promotion or a job offer or stock options in another city, right? In other words, the next place might be he's got a job in Seattle that's a president of a corporation, or he's going to move to Tampa to be the executive vice president of another corporation. So my point is, I don't know if I want you to just keep following him around, selling and and losing 10%. Every time you sell, by the way, you lose about 10%, 6% in real estate commissions, and then you have various fees and expenses, plus whatever moving costs that go along with it. So if you think you're going to sell your house for a million dollars, you'll only net right around 900,000. Still not bad, but just don't think a million is a million because it's not. Okay. That's important. All right, think about this. So what do we do? Well, three years, I don't want to say it's long enough, but usually the first year, I don't want you making any big financial decisions. Three years is a good time to settle in. You're, you're learning about who you are, what you like and don't like. No longer are you doing things because it was your husband's idea and you didn't care one way or the other, so you went along with it. Now, all the ideas have to be yours. Be careful replacing your husband with your son when it comes to ideas of what you want to do or who you want to be. Uh, I share this just, again, as personal experience. This still has to be your life now, which is hard because if you're married 40, 50, 60 years, what is your life? It's always been our life. It's always been our deciding uh, decisions when we come up with a, a thing to do. So so I just want to be careful that that you're not replacing your husband with your son when it comes to those kind of conversations of, of who you want to be when you grow up, as they say. All right. So let's break this down. Do I want you to be a landlord 2000 miles or 1800 miles away? 
I don't, but I do think it's the right decision. Give yourself one year. Give your, your son a year or two to decide if he likes this company. What if he doesn't? What if six months from now he's like, I, this is the worst decision I ever made. I'm going to move back to California. Right? So, so f- do your due diligence on a property management company. Right? Next to movers, property management companies have the biggest Better Business Bureau complaints, scams, frauds. Right? And both of those you're going to be encountering if you're moving and you're going to sell your home or keep your home rather, right? Because property management companies pad fees. They're sneaky. They're, they're, they, they do all sorts of things they're not supposed to, not all of them, but they can do all sorts of things that, that are in the gray area and never to benefit you. Usually it's to benefit themselves or it's because they're just incompetent. So do your due diligence. Find a good property management company. I think it's impossible to find a great one. I don't think they exist. But I think there are some good ones out there. Uh, just my experience as a guy who used to own a property management company, the reason I did is because I couldn't find one that was decent. Uh, and they and this was a small market, so everybody knew that they were crummy, but they were forced to use that particular company. So we, uh, me and a group of, of guys, opened our own. So my point is I want you to have the experience with a good property management company. Rent it for one year. See if you like the Dallas area. See if you like Texas. See if your son likes that particular career, that job, that company, the environment, his coworkers. All right? So I'm glad that you have somebody you can go with. And Marie, this is important. You need to have that family connection still. My experience has taught me that when women have the family connections after their husband passes away, it allows you to kind of have that sense of security still. Same thing with men. You need to be close to your family. And of course, dealing with this as we speak, right? So I, I like the idea that you are able to financially survive and that net that $3,000 a month is a great source of income. Th- that's nice. That'll help. But on the $600,000 that you have in a money market account at a 401k plan, that's basically doing nothing. Interest rate and financially uh, speaking. So what I would do is probably break that into two buckets. I would put one in a place that would give you income, let's say five years plus from now, and one that would be available at the drop of a hat if you need it between now and then. You do have $120,000 in savings. That's enough to move. That's enough to even put a down payment on a place there. But I'm not going to have you buy a place in Texas right away. If it were me, I would do something very simple. I would rent when you're in Texas. Find out. Do you want to be on the north side of whatever town he's in or the west or the east or the south, right? There's Frisco, there's uh, Melissa, there's some other uh, Texas area, Plano, Frisco, uh, and uh, what's the other town that, uh, Allen, right? All of those are wonderful places north of Dallas and they have a different feel. They're each a little bit different. So where, where do you like to shop? What church do you like to go to? Where's your son going to live? Which direction does traffic flow in the morning and in the evening? Right? The things that you want to do, should you be in the north, south, east, west part of town? I like it that you rent. And maybe six months from now, your son says, man, I'm on fast track to be the president of this company, or this is the best place in the world. Or even if I don't like this company, there are so many other companies in this region of Texas where it doesn't matter. Even if I 
hate the company or I don't like the people, I'm going to jump to another company or another company. That's wonderful. Let him decide. But if he finds that that's the new home for you guys in four months from now, in six months, then you can buy a house. We can use some of the money from the 401k. We can use some of your savings. You can put a deposit or a down payment on a home. And then when you sell your existing home at the one-year mark, then you pay it off. Easy. Yeah, you'll carry a house payment for a bit, but it's certainly going to be less than $3,000 a month. The rent that comes in the front door, you can use it to go out the back door and pay for your rent for the next six months or your new home payment for the next six months. But I want you to have six months to a year where you figure it out. Where do I want to live? Do I like the people? Do I like the weather? Do I like the place? It's the big mistake that people make. They'll sell everything and leave California. Maybe that was the right decision, but where they go and where they buy may not be the right decision, right? I wanted to live in Texas, but really it's too crowded. So I moved to Tennessee. I thought I was going to be in, in Franklin, Tennessee, but I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. So now you're paying a fee to sell your home, to buy a home, to sell a home, to buy a home. So I like the concept of taking it in baby steps. You have a house in California. You can always come back. It's paid off. So it's not an issue, right? If things go south or if your son says, that's it, I, I don't like this area, or then you can always return. You can put a little clause inside of your property management contract that says you can terminate them or the lease, right? You, you can give them a 45 day notice and you can end the lease at any one time. And you know, they, they will get a month for free. I mean, whatever you, you can make leases the way you want them to be done as long as they're within the law of the city or the County or the state that, that your home is in, that you're renting here, right? That you're leasing out. But you see the concept here inside of the property management contracts, they will usually have anywhere between eight and 10% of the rents that come in. So if your rents are $4,000 a month, they're going to receive about $1,000 a month. They better be doing a whole lot of stuff for that 800 or a thousand a month, whatever that number is, right? Because they're going to bury all sorts of other fees inside of there. So you're going to say, oh, but it's 4,000 a month. They're going to get 400. Well, they're going to add this fee. Uh, oh, and then they're going to add that fee. Oh, and then we had to go out and repair. Oh, we had to do an application for a new tenant. And then there's this cost and this fee. So you could pay some months, $800, $1,000. So just be aware, right? The, the three, four, 500 plus, plus, plus in fees that the property management company can charge or do, does charge, you better be getting something back for it. And what I would do is have somebody independent a neighbor, a friend, a nephew, somebody who is in, uh, still in California in that neighborhood or can go by once a month, check up, take a look, right? You can write the contract where they can go inside, right? They're, your, they're an assistant. They're your representative where you can do a walkthrough of the house once a month, right? Whatever the rules or laws are where, you're, where your, your current home is. I have a, a rental property and we say, listen, with 24 hour notice, I can come in and I can review and I want to make sure that there's no leaks. Plumbing is fine. There's no, you're changing the air filter and the, right. I put in there that I can do that. And I do do that on occasion. Check it out. We often give them more than 24 hour notice, but that's what the law says. And that's what the rules say. So I can do that. 
This is a million dollars of your life that's sitting there and you're entrusting it with this person or family with a million people you don't know. So you have the right to check it out. Now, listen, the representative that I would have might be your niece or nephew or somebody that's going to go by and take a look. You got to work that with the property management company. Make sure they understand. Hey, listen, I want my nephew. John's going to go by and he's going to take a look. And you create a little checklist. Hey, John, I want you to look at the plumbing underneath the sink. Make sure nothing's leaking there. Make sure the faucets are doing this. On and on. Follow me on that? I can get a four, maybe a 5% payout on that 900000 So if you were to say, you know, I'm just going to not pay off a house. Let's say I can get $36,000 a year. Maybe that's more than enough to live on. Maybe you don't pay off the house cash in Dallas, Texas. Maybe you do, right? We would do the math, let the math interest rates. My gosh, interest rates right now are huge. So maybe you would pay it off, right? If you have a choice to pay off a house or pay seven and a half percent interest, I might say pay off the house because money's starting to cost a lot. But if a year from now, by the time you figure out north side, north, east, west, what south side you want to live on, at that time, well, okay, well, maybe interest rates are back down. Maybe we won't just pay off the house. Maybe we will. It's a formula, right? So what would I do with the 600000 I would ladder it. I would have a short-term CD and a savings account, a little bucket to put some money in. I'd probably put three, maybe 400000 maybe half, something like that, right? I would put that in a, in a mid-term account a fixed annuity, fixed index annuity, that would be another source of income for you. Keep your 100000 in the stock market. Just make sure that the financial, if that's what you want to do, right? The risk, there's risk and fees with it. But you make sure that it has a job, that it's doing something, and not just running on a treadmill or one of those hamster wheels that are just creating income for the broker, right? $1,500 a year, 2000 a year, whatever it is. No, 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 back it up. Make sure it's achieving something. Make sure it owns something. Make sure it complements the rest of your portfolio. So your financial advisor, whoever that is, I would be on a phone with them. We would sit down and we'd say, okay, here's what we're doing on our side. What are you doing on your side? Make sure I'm not all, all of our eggs are in one basket. Right? We do that for you. We, we don't charge a fee for that. That's just part of what we do. The companies are going to pay us, by the way. People say, oh, you, you don't work for free. No, we don't. The companies are going to earn a profit. And that's how they pay us. It's part of that money that they earn comes from, comes from uh, their pocket, pays us. And it's disclosed. Here it is. This is what we get paid. That's it. So you have a choice to have some of, of your money safe. Some of it may be in short-term CDs. Some of it may be in a money market account. That's fine. But if we can get a 4% interest rate on a two-year CD, I might take that. Right, It's a way to, to just fill up your bank accounts just a little bit more. And if at the end of the story you say, I like rental property, I'm good with that. I, I actually enjoy being a landlord. It's not a big deal. I have great property management. I understand it. Maybe that's what you do with some of the money. Right? Maybe you decide that you're okay with owning rental property so you can develop that part of it. My point is you have the reins, you have control. And although as a widow, 
right? It's weird to say that. My mom was, and I were talking the other day, and, and she said, the first time I said that I'm a widow, she said it, it, it didn't sound like I was talking about myself. And I said, yeah, it's so funny. I was talking about my dad the other day. This is what I was sharing with her. And I said, you know, my dad is, my dad. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, actually was. You have to use the word was. So very cool uh, experience in life. Uh, it's probably the wrong word to use, but very, very eye-opening experience in life to, to realize that it's changing all the time. And so however you invested or saved or planned, financially speaking, when your spouse was alive, you have to think a little bit differently now. And if you plan properly, both of you are alive, everything's great. You plan now, it can be a lot more seamless when one of you passes away. I told my wife when I was 21 years old and or 22, I guess, I proposed to her right around when I was 22, 23. We were married at 23 and 21. I told her, look, if I, I said, if you marry me, we're broke. I live in my parents' garage, <laughs> right? We had a little money saved. But if you marry me, I promise I will take care of you for the rest of your life. I don't know exactly how, but I will take care of you forever. I'll make sure you are okay and even great because that's my commitment. And so I share that commitment with you guys. As long as we're on this planet, as long as we're here, we're supposed to take care of each other. And Mary, by the way, it looks like your husband did a great job by, on taking care of you. You have a home that's paid off. You have $600,000 in a retirement account. You have $120,000 in savings. That's a wonderful financial story. Sounds like you have a wonderful son who's married. You guys did good together as a team, right? It's a shame he's not able to continue with this journey. But when that happens financially, I kind of feel sometimes like it's my job to step up and, and, and be that, you know, patriarchal figure. Okay, here we go. Let's sit down. Let's figure out what are we trying to achieve, right? The common sense part of the story that's not emotionally connected. Sometimes that's a very weird uh, part of it, right? Because a lot of people are emotionally connected to their own financial decisions. And I think most people don't realize that you don't always make the best decisions when you're financially connected. You need somebody at the 10,000 foot level to step back and take a look and say, oh, okay, let's move these pieces here and there. What are we trying to achieve? So Mary in sum, uh, Marie, in summary, I want you to think about this. I want you to do a test. When you move to Dallas, Texas, or that area, figure out what town you want to live in. Your job is to explore. And I would rent. Even though some, even some of you guys that are going to move, and, and I recommend you do this, right? When you move, same thing. I want you to rent for six months. Leave your money in the savings account. You can do a short-term CD and make some pretty good interest. Give yourself a chance to figure out what side of town. Do you even like the city or the state? You know how many people have moved to Colorado thinking it was a conservative state? And they're going, uh, I went from the frying pan into the fire. Colorado is California 2.0, right? With weed everywhere, smell the smell of marijuana everywhere, with liberal politicians and progressive ideas everywhere. And they go, oh, crud. And they move. They move from Colorado to Texas or to Oklahoma. 
So do your research so you don't jump from the frying pan into the fire. A lot of you that are moving out of California. Some of you think Washington State or Michigan. I like both of those states. They're beautiful, in fact. But their politics are disgusting, especially Michigan. Right? You have a dictator who who's running that state in one of the most insane ways. Lied about all this assassination attempt. There was the FBI that was involved in this whole thing. Right? So it's real. Some of these states are as corrupt or more so than California. So do your research. Figure out if it's that if it's where you want to live, north, south, east, west of whatever city or town. And I would rent. Keep your money in a in a liquid savings checking kind of money market CD type of a place. Figure it out. If you're older than 59 and a half, you can take advantage of some really good fixed annuities. We have fixed annuities that are paying 5% guaranteed for three years. Let me repeat that. 5% for three years, every year, guaranteed. And you don't pay tax on the money until you take it out, meaning it's invested and invested. So what you would have paid income tax on, what you would have paid uh, uh, um, state and federal, both taxes. Deferred, deferred, deferred. When you take it out, of course you pay tax on the money then. But you can push it around until you move out of California. Now your state of California income tax is irrelevant because you're not here. When you take it out, you're in the other state. All right. So all of the tax conversations that I have with you are in general. I want you to reach out to your own CPA, your tax advisor, see what applies to you, see kind of what your specific situation is because we're all a bit different. But if you're looking for a short term, a three-year, right, where you can still take money out in between, right, not, not all of it, but, but some, and earn a guaranteed of 5%, and maybe that's the right choice. So keep that in mind, guys. In each case, we might be able to help. 888-997-3847. I'm going to give you the phone number one more time. Grab your pen and paper or open up your cell phone real quick and just... Put it in a text message to yourself, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. And I appreciate all of you, your phone calls, your emails. You can reach out to me on an email at arif, A-R-I-F, arif, at T as in Tom, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, tfswealth.com. That's arif at tfswealth.com. I appreciate you guys listening and being a part of the show and uh, and even indulging me in a chance to just share ideas and conversations about my personal scenario. And, and I appreciate you kind of being an extended part of my family, too, and listening. Makes a big difference. If I can help you with your financial life, the total financial hours here every week at this time, and reach out. Maybe it's a Zoom phone call, a Zoom meeting, right? Maybe it is a an in-person meeting at any one of our three offices. I'd love to meet you. Eric Hallaby, that's who I am. Triple eight ninety nine retire on the total financial hour. Bless you and have a great week. We'll see you next week. Financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Triple eight. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.